0: I'm going to continue this morning on the topic that I shared last week on moving what mountain? And it's from Mark 11, 22 and 23, where Jesus told the disciples they were intrigued that, you know, they had heard him the day before. Uh, curse the fig tree, and the next morning they're walking by it, and they're completely amazed that the fig tree's already dried up from the roots, and they make uh, reference to it. And Jesus used it as a teaching moment, and his, his response to the disciples that were amazed by this simply said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Or some translators say, have the faith of God. So the idea is this having faith in God. Then he continued on and saying, for if you, have, if you have this God kind of faith, you could say to this mountain, be removed. Be removed. He said, so, I tell you the truth, or this is the truth that you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Really believe it and have no doubt in your heart heart. So having faith in God. I mentioned it just a few moments ago. That having faith in God. The Bible defines faith as having uh, that, that confidence of, of what we're hoping for that will actually happen. It, it gives us the assurance about the, the things that we cannot see. But I want you to know that the unseen things that your faith, that Bible faith is the evidence of that the unseen things do exist in the realm of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. One of my favorite stories, and I think it's one of my favorites because when I first came into the, the, the walk of really understanding what it means to, to walk by having a faith in God, it was a message uh, based from 2 Kings chapter 6. This went... In, in, the Assyrians continued to attack to... They were attacking Israel on a regular basis, but there was a prophet in the land, and, and God would reveal the battle plans of the Assyrians. He'd reveal them to the prophet, then the prophet would give them to the king of Israel. Then when the Assyrians would, uh, would uh, execute their battle plans, the, the Israel was always ready for them. And so the, the Syrian commanders thinking, okay, we must have a traitor in our camp because every time we come up with a battle plan, Israel knows about them. So obviously someone's trading. There's a traitor and someone's revealing our strategic plans. Doesn't sound unlike today, does it? (laughs) What's going on? Who knows what? But anyway, as a result of that, he he sent... uh, went to find out where this particular prophet is. Then he found out that he's in a city called Dothan. So they send an entourage in there to capture him. And as they went into the city to capture him, the, the, uh, Elijah's pr- uh, servant went out one morning to do his morning routine and to bring water back and so forth. And he went out in the morning and he saw the entire city was surrounded by the Syrian army. And he feared for his life, and he went back to the to Elijah, and he said, "My master, my master," he says, "What shall we do?" And and uh, so it was just the servant and his master, and all around them, they were surrounded. The entire city was surrounded by horses and chariots, and and of course they're they're fearing for their lives because they're, they're they're as far as the uh, servant is concerned, they're captured, and the prophet responded, Elijah responded with a very intriguing response, and he told the young man, he, he said, don't be afraid. Everyone say, don't be afraid. don't be afraid. I always find that intriguing because what he was, he was afraid because of what he was seeing with his natural eyes. And because of that fear, he's asking the prophet, what shall we do? What shall we do? How many times do we go to God in fear because of what we see with our natural eyes? And we say, oh, God, oh, my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? So he said, not only did he say, don't be afraid, but then he made another statement that I'm sure to the servant, it it probably sounded very nonsensical. When he said, don't be afraid, there's actually more, more with us than are with them. And then he added on to that a prayer and the prayer went like this, Lord, open this young man's eyes, open my servant's eyes that he would be able to see reality in the kingdom of God. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw and behold, he saw and behold, and he could see from in the spirit realm that there were horse, that there were more horses and chariots with them there were more protecting angels with he and the prophet than there were enemy forces opposing them but here's the lesson this is what really i always felt became a real anchor in my heart for understanding this is the is is here's the reality When when Elijah prayed for God to open up the young man's eyes, that he would be able to see reality from God's perspective, from kingdom perspective, kingdom rule. God opened his eyes of faith and he was able to see into the realm of the spirit. And he, he recognized that, yes, absolutely, there's more with us than are with the natural forces against us. All the natural armies arrayed against me, there are more ministering angels here protecting me. The same for you. All the natural forces arrayed against you, evil demonic forces arrayed against you. But we're not denying that, the Bible teaches that. That's why we have spiritual warfare, that's why we have weaponry, you know, putting on the armor of God. That's all a reality. Our faith is not in denial that stuff is going on in our world, that the world is a very dark place, that the world can be a very challenging place to navigate through. But our faith, our faith does not give the world and all the evil forces of the world the authority to influence our lives. And here's what what really... Drove it home for me, and I pray does likewise for you. Is that the opening of that young man's eyes to see the reality from kingdom perspective did not? Everyone say did not. Did not. The opening of his eyes did not create the angelic forces that were surrounding them. They already existed. They were already in place. They were in place when he first saw them with his natural eyes. They were in place when he was fearing for his life. They were in fear when he was asking the prophet, My God, my God, what shall we do? They were in place before the prophet prayed. The prophet didn't pray, Oh God, send your angels. The prophet just simply prayed, Open his eyes that he could see reality. God wants to open up our eyes. He wants your eyes to be open, my eyes to be open, to see the reality that whatever mountain, whatever obstacle is hindering kingdom redemption plan for your life and for the church in general in in, in, in moving forward here on the earth, as salt and light of the earth, in moving forward that whatever mountain is opposing you personally and whatever a mountain is opposing us corporately, that God wants us to see that he has already provided. In your physical body, your healing has already been provided. You're not waiting for God to provide it. You're not waiting for God to do something. Redemption is a finished work. It's a finished work. I'm going to say it's finished. And we are to learn to walk by faith and receive what Jesus Christ has already done for us at Calvary's cross. Isaiah the prophet said that he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was placed upon him and that by his stripes you were healed. And the way to really grab a hold of this this has helped me, so I'm going to share it with you, and hopefully it will help you as well, is that if you were to leave here today and you had the opportunity to lead a family member or a friend or a perfect stranger to the Lord, you know the routine, you, you, you know the drill, so to speak, you, you know how to lead someone to the Lord, you know you, you, know you need to encourage them that, that God loved them and Jesus Christ came to Calvary's cross and shed his blood for them. And if they'll believe that in their heart, and they will confess that with their mouth, they'll make a confession unto salvation. It's the greatest miracle that can ever take place. When someone prays a prayer unto salvation, they are translated from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear Son, the kingdom of light. It happens every time someone prays that prayer. You don't always see the evidence of it right away. Sometimes people don't even feel the evidence of it right away, but it is a spiritual reality that when you pray, and as Jesus Christ and become your Lord and your Savior, He becomes your Lord and your Savior. It's done. But in that process of you praying that prayer, or you leading someone in that prayer, you're not waiting. Everybody say, I'm not not waiting. I'm not waiting for God to decide, yes, I think I want to save that person, so Jesus... I know you did it before, but I'm sorry to tell you this, but this person wants to get saved so you're going to have to go back to the cross, you have to go through all that trial and all the mocking and all the suffering of being human, but you're going to have to go back to the cross and you're going to have to shed your blood again because another person wants in. That sounds ridiculous, does it not? It's no different. And in you praying, God, what shall I do? God, thank you that by your stripes I am healed. God, thank you, you provide all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's already done it. Everyone say it's done, done. it's finished. finished. Amen. So that's what faith is all about, it's believing that. Believing that it's the evidence of things that's not seen, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that we're not seeing. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now, it's important that you understand that faith never stands alone. It always, you know, Galatians chapter 5 teaches us that faith works by love. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, known as the love chapter, when he's introducing that, he said, though I I have all faith that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. So we always want to be incorporating. We always want to be walking in the love of God. We want to be walking in love and in patience and in wisdom, incorporating everything into our walk of faith in God. Believing that the mountains that are opposing God's redemptive plan and God's redemptive promises for my life cannot stand. They will be removed. They will obey. Just like the fig tree obeyed Jesus, mountains will obey you. Now, many times it's, it's very cliche in the kingdom of God in, in the body of Christ when people are, are experiencing some difficult things. And it's not uncommon to hear people say, well, you know, faith removes mountains. Faith removes mountains. Be encouraged, faith removes mountains. Well, yes and no. You need faith to move mountains, but Jesus didn't say if you have faith, your mountains will all be removed. He didn't say that. What did he say? He said, if you have faith in God, you would do something. If you have faith in God, you would do something. Faith in God always draws on a corresponding action. It's going to be doing something. It's going to be saying something. It's going to be sowing something. Faith will always demand a corresponding action. I'm going to do what I believe I'm believing for. Jesus said, you have faith in God. I'm going to tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, and again, the mountain is any obstacle, to the restoration of kingdom rule and authority in your life. So say to this mountain, it will happen. Have no doubt in your heart. Have no doubt in your heart. Doubt is the lack of confidence, distrust, uncertainty, and belief. Well, Pastor Ray, how can I have faith and doubt? Well, there's more than one seed in your garden. The power of the sowers. Jesus is sowing the word and immediately the enemy comes and sows in all kinds of other cares and desires and concerns of this world and it chokes out the word of God. So our job is to be the master gardener and continue to weed our garden so that the seeds of faith can continue to flourish. I remember as a boy growing up with my, uh, my mom and dad, we had a huge garden. I mean, with all the siblings I have, my mom, I mean, she put out a garden like you've never seen before. And then, of course, they, she would can and, and freeze things for the, you know, for through the winter months. But nonetheless, growing up, if I would wake up early on a, uh, in a, on a summer morning or during the night, I would hear it raining. I knew, I knew what that meant. I'm going to get up in the morning, mom's going to have breakfast, and then I'm going to be in the garden, and I'm going to be pulling weeds so that the seeds of vegetables that she planted, don't get choked out. I can remember even as a little boy thinking, where'd these weeds come from? We didn't plant these in here. (laughs) And the strangest thing, these weeds would grow even when it didn't rain. But if it rained all night long and the ground was good and soft, that was a good time to be pulling weeds. And I understand and appreciate it more today, but back then I thought it was just something, I thought it was busy work, just keep us busy. But no, it was so that the the seeds that she planted, and in this case, the seeds of faith, the seeds of belief in your heart that you're planting, you be the master gardener, and you allow the reign of the Holy Spirit to soften up your heart and then continue to be weeding, weeding out doubt and unbelief. Say, well, how'd that doubt and unbelief get in there? The same way your faith got in there. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. It's not difficult. We make it difficult, and the enemy makes it confusing because he knows where it comes. He knows where my faith in God is birthed, and he knows how my faith in God is strengthened. It comes from hearing the Word of God and being a doer of the Word of God. So his opposing forces immediately planting seeds of doubt and unbelief. How does he do it? Through what I'm hearing through what I'm seeing with my natural eye, through what I'm hearing. That's why Jesus said, if you have faith in God, you will say to this mountain, he said, but you really need to believe this and don't have any doubt in your heart. He said, well, Pastor Ray, I have doubt in my heart. Well, you can still come to a place of faith and you can still speak to the mountain and it'll work for you. The man with the tormented child finally said, Jesus, I believe you helped my unbelief. I believe you helped my unbelief and Jesus helped him. But I want you to, here's what I want you to get this morning. I'm not anywhere close to what my notes were, so I'll just... This is helping you, right? It's helping me, so glad I came (laughs) and I'm glad you're here to enjoy me, enjoying myself. Jesus said, if you have faith in God, you would say to the mountain, the words that you speak are so, so important. You have the words that you speak, whether you're speaking faith or whether you're speaking unbelief. Your life, our lives primarily are a reflection of of what we've been believing and what we've been speaking, because what we are believing is primarily is, is, is the bedrock of what we are speaking. And there's more bondage in our lives than most of us are conscious of that is related to the way we are talking. Simply because we are talking, we are saying what we're believing and what we're believing is wrong things we're believing doubtful things or we're speaking doubtful things. I'm not saying every situation that you have that you've spoken into existence, you know, if you're fighting a disease or you're in a financial predicament or you're in a nasty relationship that you're hoping against all hope that it can get turned around, I'm not saying that you cause that by the words that you speak. The enemy brings things against us. But what we need to guard ourselves against is we don't give those attacks that the enemy brings against us, that we don't give them a license to take up root and to set up residence and to build a case against us by the words that we're speaking. Because when we speak it and we accept it by the words that we speak, now we have given it permission to set up a stronghold against us. And that happens because of the very nature of the power of the spoken word. In the New King James, of Mark 11:23, 23, Jesus said, You will say to this mountain, Be plucked up and be, and be removed into the sea. Then it's like, for you, for you will have whatever. Okay? Say whatever. whatever. You will have whatever you say. So it's important that we're not speaking negative. If you say, Well, Pastor Ray, I don't know what to say. I don't know what the positive thing to say is. I don't know how to, I don't have that verse memorized. You don't have to memorize it verbatim, but know it. Get into the Word of God, know the Word of God. That when you draw upon a scripture, when you draw upon a promise of God, you can speak it. You can speak life. If nothing else, just sing the song. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Even though I don't see it, you're working. That's that's positive, that's a good way to go. That's a good confession to be making. But don't be making confessions like the world is making. Oh. This whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. This whole, you know, everything is just falling apart. Everything is just, you know, it's just really, really getting bad. I don't see any way out. This is not the America I used to know. I want to tell you something about the America you used to know. If we don't stop talking about America the way we're talking about the United States of America, you're not going to have an America the way you used to know it. And I'm not talking to non-Christians right now, I'm talking to the church. I am grieved by the way people are talking. Yes, certain things may not be going the way you want them to go, but stop feeding it with your words. Stop propelling it, stop putting fuel on the fire. We are called to speak to mountains, we're called to speak life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, in the power of our words. And it's important that we speak positive. It's important that we be positive. It's important that we pray for those in positions of authority over us. Not just when the people you want to be in authority, then you pray. When they're not, then you don't pray. Then you complain. Well, you dig yourself in such a hole that the person you want to be in charge probably can't get out of it either. So let's be speaking light. Let's be speaking life. Life. And let's be speaking wisdom over those in positions of authority over us. And let's be praying that they'll open up their hearts and their minds to godly counsel. Amen. Those are the types of things we speak over people that in authority over us. Amen. Godly counsel. In the book of uh, Numbers... Moses was given instructions by God to send spies into the promised land. They are in the wilderness. They're out of, their, you know, they're out of Egyptian bondage. They're in the wilderness. Now they're getting ready to go into the next phase that God has for them into the promised land. And so he, said, he appointed one leader. would say one leader. one leader. One leader from every tribe. So they sent 12 leaders into the promised land, and he instructed the leaders to bring back a report about the land. we say leaders. All right, I just want you to know these were leaders. (laughs) The leaders came back after scouting out the promised land, and they came back with a a report about the land. And it's primarily, it was a good report. They're talking about how healthy it is and uh, all the good things in the land. But 10 of them, 10 of the 12 said, we're not able. We're not able to go in and take the land." Twelve of them said that. I mean, ten of the twelve said that. We're not able to go in and take the land. Two of the leaders, they were named Caleb and Joshua. And do you ever think about how many young boys you know or men that you know by the names of Caleb and Joshua? Then look at the other list of names and see how many people are named after them. I can't even tell you the names of them right now. I don't want to know them. I don't want to be named after them. Raymond's not one of them. (laughs) But it was Caleb and Joshua. And they came back and they they gave the report. Caleb said, Caleb had to quiet the people down because they're getting all upset. And he said, quiet down. Let's go up immediately and possess our promises for we are well able to go in and possess the land. Caleb and Joshua believed and they spoke what they believed. The other 10 believed, and they spoke what they believed, and both of them got what they spoke. Both groups received exactly what they said. The 10 and all those that believed them did not get in. Caleb and Joshua got into the promised land. Your words are very deterministic. They set the course for your life. Begin to speak the Word of God. If you ever want to pray for crop failure, you can pray for crop failure over the seeds that I've been sowing, over the words that I've been speaking that were all wrong. Say, Lord, I'm praying for a crop failure. Just let that complete crop of words, just let that come to naught. And now I'm going to begin to bless you. I'm going to begin to thank you that you are the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're the light in the darkness in my life, and and life is good in Jesus' name. Amen. Once you name something with the spoken word, you've given it a license to hang around, to hang around and to watch for its opportunity to advance its intent, and it has every right to do so because of the authority that God put into words, our communication. So walk in the love of God. Have faith in God. It comes to you by hearing. Keep hearing the word of God. Be a doer of the word of God. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Incorporate doses and doses and doses of love into it, because if you have not love, it profits nothing. And be patient and keep speaking the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father. I thank you. And I praise you in Jesus name. I invite you to stand up, Just stand up. If you need healing in your body, let's just, let's pray this prayer. Say, father, I thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. Your word declares that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and by his stripes I was healed. Therefore I believe I have faith in God that I am healed healed. in Jesus' name. Name above all names. Mountain of sickness. Mountain of pain. Mountain of discouragement. I command you to be plucked up and to be moved into the sea, and you will obey. In Jesus' name, I have the victory. God is working. Even though I might not see it, he's working. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we give you the honor, we give you the glory. Thank God for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the healing power. Be released in the name of Jesus. Be released in these people's lives in the name of Jesus. May the healing grace of Almighty God, the miracle-working God, show yourself off this day in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, name above every name. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you're here today and you never made that confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, again, the, the, the simplicity of it is believe in your heart, believe in Jesus, Confess to Him. Receive Him into your heart through the words that you're speaking. The Bible tells us that He comes in and takes up residence within you. Your sins are forgiven. You become a brand new person. Let's pray that together. If you're going to pray that for the very first time today, if you're watching online, we encourage you to be bold and do the same thing right there in your Cypress sanctuary and pray this together with us. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in need of a Savior. I repent of all my sin, and I'm asking you today to come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you died at the cross, that you shed your blood to cleanse me of all my sin, and I'm asking you today to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, remove what mountain? Any mountain that's hindering you from enjoying the full redemption that God has paid for you. Speak to it. Believe God. When you speak to it you might not see it with your natural eye, don't immediately follow that up until well, see it's not working. Remember, the spies got exactly what they believed and exactly what they said. In chapter 14, you keep reading in Numbers 13 I just shared with you, you read over into chapter 14 It tells you, God said, you have according to what you have spoken. So let's be speaking good, grace, love, mercy, kindness, gentleness to one another. Only speak words that build one another up, never to judge one another, never condemning other people. Political leaders, we're not, in, we're not called to condemn, we're called to be salt, to be light. And if we're going to see things turn around, it needs to start with the body of Christ. Let's love on each other and let's speak life and blessings and wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. God bless you. I could keep going, but we're we're out of time. So we'll see you next Sunday morning. Have a terrific week. God bless you. And again, if it's your first time, stop by Connections. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, stop over by Connections. We'd love to meet you. God bless you.